guys, my name is Jesse Hunt, and this is the Road Traveled Podcast. On today's episode, we have an old friend of mine and fellow director, Miguel Barbosa. Miguel primarily does music videos, which is how we met and began to collaborate originally. And if you're a fan of pop punk like I am, you're going to really enjoy his work. Miguel has over 11 million views online on his videos, which is a pretty huge accomplishment. We've only had the chance to collaborate a few times over the years, but we did one epic project together out in Vancouver for the punk band Gob, and it was definitely one of the funnest jobs I've ever been a part of. In this episode of the podcast, Miguel gives some great insight into what it's like to be a filmmaker in today's world, the struggles of being a freelancer, breaking into the industry, and other valuable lessons that he's learned throughout his career. Being a filmmaker myself, I really enjoyed making this episode of the podcast, but the things that we talk about and discuss can be applied to so many other aspects of life and work away from the filmmaking world. Let's get to it. I hope that you enjoy. So what's new, man? I haven't seen you in like a year. We both live in the same city, but uh, I think we saw each other way more when we were both in separate cities. Yeah, that's what's interesting, I guess, about Toronto is there's that metaphorical divide on Young Street. Exactly. And you're either on the west side or the east side. <laughs> I'm, I'm deep a, east and you're deep west. Deep west. Um, I'm doing well. Um, just directing music videos, going to be doing a little bit of traveling soon and uh, just trying to take it as it comes. That's exciting. Um, let's, uh, let's do a bit of a history on where we met. I think we probably met via social media back in the early days, correct? I think it was social media. You were doing a campaign um, around uh, donating kidneys, I think. Um, surgery uh, it was when you had surgery yeah yeah it popped up on my profile kind of thing um and then i just kept track of you and then i'm not sure how we ended up fully connecting on that music video the god one yeah yeah that was um, our first collaboration right i think think. it was because yeah 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 um i think if i'm not mistaken i just a lot of my reel kind of lent itself to like a naturistic outdoorsy type thing and your treatment and concept for the god video in vancouver was very much up that alley. Perfect. I know what it was. I remember. Okay, you invited me to the Theory of Everything at TIFF. Yeah, we went. Yeah, yeah, yeah we went. We were standing in line waiting. You're telling me about this music video that you had coming up, and you're kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do, because there wasn't a ton of money involved, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I loved going out west. I had a camera, so I was like, shit, man. It made perfect sense. <laughs> Fly me out there. And I'll we, shoot it for you. <laughs> it was literally right after the showing. I remember we're like, okay, I'll like follow up with you about this, and then it all came and together. And it came together beautifully. Exactly. Yeah. Good call. I remember. And that's when I first learned, because I wasn't into Game of Thrones at the time, mm. uh, but you, and you didn't like flying. And so you had this like little satchel of pills. Yeah. And you're like, it's the milk of the poppy. And I was like, it's the that's milk exactly of the poppy. It. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy the things that you remember, man. That's so true too. And I, I have some more milk of the poppy for my flight <laughs> this Saturday. Can't wait. Still don't like flying? Um, Actually, I've gotten better at it this year. It's been my first year without medication on any flights. Wow. But I do bring it with me just in case. Just in case. Now the goal is to not have it with me. Okay. No bulletproof vest. One day. So funny story. Um, I'm usually okay with flying, mm-hmm. um, but I was just in Tofino with my wife two and a half weeks ago, maybe. Anyways, um, we went to this place where we had to boat up to its hot springs cove mm-hmm. and we decided there's an option where you can pay a little bit more and fly back on a, on a seaplane. Uh, so we did that and this thing is literally smaller than a car Oh my god! and it was a windy day and I've never been afraid of flying before. And, uh, we were with two other people plus the pilot and we were all kind of like, yeah, we're excited. It's cool. Nice views. We get up in the air and then all of a sudden this thing gets, start getting blown around Mm -hmm. like no tomorrow. It's one of the, you know how, when you're flying, you just kind of like drop sometimes one of those happened Yeah, and everybody shut up. 
Nobody talked. Was it bad turbulence? Or it was, it was bad. Yeah. And it's all. just like, that's the first time ever I felt super nauseous. Mm-hmm. The rest of the flight, I was just like, it, it was weird. Um, I can't even explain the feeling, but anyways, first time I've ever been afraid of flying. First time I was like, okay, I could actually die here today. And that's the thing about flying. Like you can't identify if it's the nauseousness that is giving you the anxiety or like the fear. So when it's all come together, it's really just a ball of pain for for the duration. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But, uh, you need flying to get around to cool places. Exactly. Yeah. There's that. Especially in our business. Yeah. So, uh, I guess a bit of our, our, yeah, that's the first time we collaborated shooting a Gob music video, mm-hmm. which um, was hilarious because I remember being super into Gob growing up and then forgot about them. And then all of a sudden we're doing a video for them. Exactly. And that that's what I'm realizing, especially in the last two weeks, the nature of our industry is, is you, you're like small dreams come true every week and every day. Yeah. You, re, you realize you're doing things that are like bucket list things for some people, but they didn't even cross your mind. Mm-hmm. And then that's what's crazy. Like one day I'm in the desert, the next day I'm in like an, a pool filming and uh, you just end up like my friend Jake, he said it best, like filmmakers get to like um, have like ultimate freedom in society. So like filmmakers can shut down roads. Filmmakers can shoot on the CN Tower. We just show a permit. We get to do whatever we want. Yeah. And then working with Gob, they were actually referenced in a Seaway video I did like years before. Really? Okay. So it was amazing to finally like make that reference come to life. Kind of comes full circle. Exactly. And, and it's very, it's interesting. Um, those small dreams that come true because for example, I've been like to Italy for filmmaking and I never thought I would go to Italy in my entire life. And Mm -hmm. then some people, it's like their goal. They save to go there and we get to do it just for a couple of days for our job and get paid to do it. Exactly. It's wild. It's, it's, yeah, it's insane. This job is crazy sometimes. For camera operators and cinematographers, it's a little more painful, I think. Yeah. Sure. It's the whirlwind. We're making we're making pictures. Yeah, it's yeah, it's exactly. Fun. So um you also have like you're a filmmaker, but like mm-hmm. I I have tracked you and kind of like looked back to when you first kind of got into these endeavors. It was kind of entrepreneurial, would you not? You started a small production company? So basically, uh yeah, films kind of started uh when I was in high school and I was in grade nine. And it was kind of just a label for our music videos. Okay. Um, sorry, not our music videos, our skate videos. Okay. So we used to do skateboarding and stuff. And then after the skateboarding got like boring, we were adding storylines into it. And then along with the storylines, I was filming parties. I was filming like stuff at school. We were doing like talk shows. And so it wasn't like a traditional company until I got out of high school. And at that point, um, I was just freelancing Mm -hmm. and my freelance journey has been kind of irregular. It's been like a mix of like heavy cold calling in some periods and like no cold calling in other periods. Um, but as of now it is a company, but I don't consider myself a production company because I don't want to compete with all like the major production companies, especially in Toronto. You have pop rock, you have mad rock and I want to join them. I send them emails. Do you? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I sent them two weeks ago. I sent emails to 20 agencies and only one replied. Uh, the one in Toronto, um, it's uh, not pop. It's it's the third one. I should know the name. It's embarrassing. I don't. Uh, Chelsea Sinclair runs it. Um, I, I, I forget what I'm it's not, called. They're, yeah. they're pretty, they do commercial stuff, but they're pretty music video driven, are they yeah, not? Yeah. Yeah. And so basically, um, uh, I don't want to compete. So I don't, I do, I am an entrepreneur, but I'm not running it like an entrepreneur. I'm trying to be more creative and more like an artist. So sure. I'd, I'd rather be the Andy Warhol than like the Elon Musk. Gotcha. So that's, I think that's my edge with music videos too. It's, it's very hard to break into music videos and I'm trying to be like that artist. So when other artists see me, I'm like one of them yeah. instead of like a business guy. And that comes into like how I run the whole thing. So I don't do like revisions on edits, like revision limits, sorry. 
So if it takes like 10 tries to get it right, we get it right. Yeah. Um, and I'm very flexible with like budgets and percentages and stuff like yeah. that. So you need I a run producer. it like an artist. <laughs> I know I do. I have a producer right now, but she works at an agency. So okay. I need like a full-time producer one day. Yeah. But that requires like full-time gigs. I know. So it's very spotty. Um, but yeah, depending on the scale, we do have a producer. Um, but I, I don't want to, I want to be part of a production company. That's the goal. Because yeah. you Yes, starting in a business is awesome. Like I recommend that if you want to, but I really just want to direct. Yeah, let's put it this way. What I have noticed, because I did similar things. You do, you have to do quite a bit of business stuff too, mm-hmm. right? Like you no want to be the what. artist, but that's just the way it is. I'm um, And so, uh, and I ran a small production company for a while there and I wanted to go down the artist route more because I was kind of like, you know mm-hmm. what? I'm doing a lot less creating and a lot more spreadsheets. Exactly. And it's part of the gig. I understand that, but like I just, I wasn't flourishing the way that I wanted to. So mm-hmm. that's kind of why I got out of that. Um, and I will say that, and I think it's a good goal to have to go with a production company because they support you creatively, mm-hmm. but also from a like resource standpoint, like I need somebody to run these numbers or bounce this idea around or help you with mm-hmm. those things. Uh, they are, that's what they're good for. That is their job. So yeah. And, and pretty much for, for example, like the edge I want with a production company is Mad Rook gets Blink-182 requests for pitches Yeah, and they're a huge pop punk band. Sure. I've directed over 50 pop punk videos and I'm not pitching on Blink-182 because I'm not part of Mad Rook. Right. So basically, um, I want to pitch on those like higher level projects. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to be part of a production company because labels don't put calls out to just Joe Schmo like me. Um, the only labels I work with, I have like a, a relationship with that goes years back. Yeah. Um, labels rarely contact me out of the blue. They they want to go through the production companies. So that's a benefit for me. And that's what I, what I say when I'm reaching out to them. I just want to keep pitching. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want just like opportunities where it's at my feet and people just say yes. I want to be able to pitch an idea that's worth them saying yes to. Yep. So you're only as valuable as your ideas. I was in the same spot. Like that's kind of how I got into it because I just, I emailed a whole bunch of production companies and the only one that got back to me and met with me was this, was this one. And that's the one you're with now. And that's the one I'm with now. Cool. Uh, they obviously saw something mm-hmm. and it we're, so the, you, we're the exact same. Like I saw those benefits as well. And it's true. Like I, oddly enough, they're not a music video production company, mm-hmm. but my executive producer knew a producer that worked at a record label. And last year I pitched on a Martin Garrix video. Amazing. For whatever reason, through that avenue, through that avenue, exactly. she's like, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And I was like, "Yeah, cool song. Yeah, why not?" Didn't get it, but like, it was still the opportunity, right? So, so you do recommend cold calling because some people, some uh, directors are like, "They'll find you," and it's been five years since a director once told me that. It's you know what? I'm honestly gonna say it's neither. Mm-hmm. Um, it's who you know. Yeah, and yeah. that's the whole problem because. I the more I talk to them and I've asked them this many times, the more I realize how lucky I think I am because I cold called them and they saw something, I guess, and signed me. But I know firsthand that they're getting 50 emails from directors every single day. Okay. Yeah. That's what makes it difficult. Especially in Toronto. Especially in Toronto. It's so competitive. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, I think it's probably gotten worse since when I was emailing. Um, and it's weird. I can't remember who I was talking to recently. Um, one of our mutual contacts, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was Christoph. Mm. Uh, and he was saying that you want to get signed. I was like, oh yeah, you should totally go to Mac or Mad Rock or, or Pop Rock. So it's cool to hear that you're, you're kind of trying to chase that down a little bit. I think exactly. it's a good move. Yeah. And, and Mad Rock admittedly last year, they did want to meet. And then, 
but it's all like a double-edged sword. Like a director on Mad Ruck told me, like, you don't want to be part of Mad Ruck because there's too many directors, there's too many people on it. So if you're at the bottom of the list, the other guys get it first, sure. et cetera. And they do have their favorites. Same with Pop Rock. Um, Same with every production it's company. It's hard. It's hard to break in. And The thing is, though, in the more, like I've, I've realized that a lot of production companies, I don't know what it's like in music videos because I, I haven't really paid attention to that kind of, that business, the side of the business or whatever, mm -hmm. but most production companies have a director that excels in one or two avenues. So I know for me with Frank Content, um, they've got two comedy directors, one at like a high level comedy and one mm -hmm. at like a medium range comedy that kind of like takes the, the me medium range jobs. And, um, and then uh, for me, like they saw me as like a visual storyteller and they don't have another Jesse Hunt on their reel, right? So mm -hmm. like I'm pitching on the, the jobs that are kind of exactly. suited towards me. Um, but something else to keep in mind is it's a business for them too. So uh, if you come at them with like, I've got this roster of 20 bands that want to, that are up and coming, that want to keep doing music videos, that's going to help. I had some contacts and agencies and so they saw that as like a business opportunity too, right? Mm -hmm. So That's um, an interesting angle. I've been tempted like, Every year, my email changes. I've been tempted to just go like, this is how much I've made this year on my own with no representation. Do yeah. you want a piece of this? Like, yeah. Do you want a piece of this money? That's what I want to say because um, I, I think I, I pull in like a, a good amount of projects for somebody who just represents themselves and does not cold call yeah. and also does not network. It's um, network at all. I think <laughs> neither it's do I. Hard, man. It's weird, dude. We're in the same, or like, I totally understand where you're coming from because there's a little, like, there's a part of me that just wants to be the, like, the true artist that's like, they're going to mm -hmm. find me and they're going to, my work is going to speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And I was the first guy I had on this podcast. He's a creative director at a small agency. And I was talking about the, it's tough because my full time job for the last three years has been going to <clears throat> agency parties and going out for lunches and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And meeting these people and it kind of sucks like not not because i don't like meeting these people i really do like meeting these people mm -hmm. but i'm not the only one doing that mm -hmm. and i kind of hate having to go up and be like trying to be buddy buddy with them when i'd rather just be like hey man i actually really dig your work and we don't even need to work together i'd rather just be homies with you because um we're into the same stuff peers exactly and i'm big on peers yeah like i don't like it when a peer doesn't follow me back on Instagram or yeah. something. Someone in the community, I'm big on peers and like respecting the creative people in the community. Exactly. And that's the whole thing about networking is I, I cannot like, I know I have to learn it, but it's one of the last things I can't get over, but I cannot go and schmooze. I can't like go and meet somebody and say, I'm Miguel. And I, I, I don't want to act like I'm genuinely interested in meeting you without any ulterior motive and yeah. then people are like no like you can be like nice and and go meet this person i'm like no no it's not yeah. i'm i'm 28 years old like my friends most of my friends i've been friends with since i was in high school my friend group we're all very close for over the last 10 years yeah i'm not want to meet somebody who's 40 plus years old just because they're in the same field as mine. exactly me. and that's like my hard-nosed approach and i know people will frown upon that approach but I, I'm a gen, I want to be genuine in my work, genuine in how I carry myself, genuine in post-production, working. And that rules out going to like uh, drinking events and, and events with filmmakers and just trying to schmooze. I know. Um, it's it's tough. very interesting. Yeah, it's tough because that's kind of taken over. And mm -hmm. I think that's what I don't like about it a little bit. Like yeah. I'd rather... I'm okay with the one-on-ones because yeah. then you can kind of talk about stuff outside of filmmaking. You can get to know them on a bit more of a personal level. And I'm about that. But I, I have a hard time going to these events and being introduced to like, oh, this is so-and-so who's the executive creative director mm -hmm. at this agency. And it's kind of like, cool, that's like, I love your work, but can we get a drink 
another day because I don't exactly. want to sit here when there's a lineup behind me yeah. of other directors that are going to try and like kiss your ass. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to do anything. Of course. And that being said, like reach out to people you want to meet and have that one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I've done that. I've met one-on-one with lots of directors and I'm like, where do you get the money from? Yeah. And they're like, they're all like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one-on-one is amazing. That is awesome. But you're right. In a group of people, for example, I don't know if you heard the MVP project. It's like a new um, music video fund that okay. RBC is doing with Prism Prize. Oh yeah. I think I know a guy that's actually exactly. on that. Yeah. 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 yeah so <laughs> Um, I'm probably the only person who went to this event alone, number one. <laughs> I was at this event last, like two weeks ago or last week. And I'm completely alone. It's an open bar, so it's great. And I cannot, it's hard to approach people because everybody there, they all come with like three, four people. Mm-hmm. There were no plus ones in the invite. And I, I left early. And I'm not asking for sympathy. Um, I don't consider myself an introverted person. It's just you go to these environments, they're full of people in the industry. And I'm just like, a nobody small time guy. So it's very intimidating to kind of break into that conversation, especially if you're alone and, and whoever puts on the prison prize, you should allow plus ones because I went to this event and they, they, I thought it was an information session. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to learn. And it was just a party. So I went there and I'm like, oh man, I didn't learn anything. And, and it's very, it's, these are just like, that's the industry, right? It's a gated industry. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about who, you know, and, um, I don't know if the the work benefits from holding up these walls. I don't think I don't think you we're getting better work by making people, you know, surf around and and having to schmooze. Like you're not getting better products. Probably not. It's a, it is a very much like a, a political game, mm-hmm. um, which makes it tough. But I'm not sure what they're looking for. Like are are they looking for people who are going to make the money, or are they looking to make timeless work? Um, what do they want? It's, you know what, it's, it's tough because, uh, it's, it's easy to shit on agencies and stuff like that. But then I, I try to look at it from a bigger picture. Um, clients are playing it safe now, not agencies. Mm-hmm. I think agencies are as a result of the clients playing it safe. Okay. So, yeah. um, the economy is changing. Uh, people are expecting a lot more for a lot less, mm-hmm. uh, which explains all of the, like, <clears throat> I haven't done a commercial project where I haven't had to frame for 16, nine, one by one and four by five. Right. So Mad Max way. Yeah, exactly. Just because it's going to all these different places. Um, So they are feeling squeezed. Mm. Uh, There are tons of agencies, tons of smaller shops popping up, taking all the business too. So I think a lot of these agencies where there are some brilliant creatives in this industry. Uh, I've met them and I've had the chance to work with them. Um, But I have also seen like they don't want to fuck up. They don't want to lose a job. They don't mm-hmm. like if they fuck up, then the business goes away, then they get fired. Exactly. Right. So like they probably and I know that they're working on these things for where maybe I'm involved for a commercial or I'm involved in a commercial for two weeks. They've been working on this commercial for six months, mm-hmm. going back and forth, rewrites, revisions, pitching the idea, getting you turned down. You need that down. machine to, to get that work. Done. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. So like I as much as it sucks sometimes because like, oh man, this could be such a good idea. Why don't we do it like this? Well, because they can't. There's 10 layers to get through. Before. So many layers, right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of like, as like a creative, as a director, a freelance filmmaker, that can be frustrating. But I think the more we kind of realize that, and there will be jobs that come along, right? There's tons of directors out there that seem to be getting like those really, really good ones. It's just, you gotta, you gotta put in the time. You gotta do some mm-hmm. of those jobs on your own as far as like, I hate the word spec, but like, it's a good way in though. It's yeah. A good way in. Yeah. You got to be able to show your chops somehow. That's the best way I tell people to get into music videos. Like 
yeah. not really a spec music spec. I, I translate spec as you paid for it and you produce it yourself. Yeah. Um, and no one gave you the opportunity per sure. se. So it's the same thing with like music videos, go to an artist and pay for it yourself. Mm-hmm. That's like the number one way is like, go make a music video. Yeah. So yeah, get it. I can't think of a better way to get into commercials other than go make a commercial. Well, yeah. And, and even if, you want to be a filmmaker and you're just trying to get into commercials to make a living, then make a film that like, you know, you get, you can get commercials based on films that you of make. Course, yes. So if your desire is to make a film, then make a film. And I, I do think people lose track that like filmmaking is like a craft a job, just like construction or just like plumbing. Yeah. Like you can hire everybody. And I joke about this. I was at a high school a couple of years ago, talk, like my former high school talking to them. And I'm like, you can go hire my cinematographer right now. I'm like, you could be 10 years old. If yeah. you have the day rate, you can pay him. He's going to take the job. Yeah. Arguably. Um, but you can put together like a kick-ass team and make something absolutely amazing if mm-hmm. you front the money. Um, you and can do whatever you want if you have the money. Yeah. There's this guy. Um, have you heard, ever heard of Andrew Dezen? Sounds familiar. He's, yeah. a, he's a young guy. He's mm-hmm. probably maybe younger than you. Uh, he was on Frank's roster for a bit. Um, <clears throat> I think he went to school in Oakville. If I'm not mistaken. Anyways, he went into something like 50 grand worth of debt producing three short films. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, he has now signed with one of the bigger, biggest production companies in Toronto. He is repped by a big production company in uh, the States, in Europe, in India. He's all over the place. He, uh, there's a band called Alaskan Tapes, and he just did like a short film series with them. And he, he gets some really good commercials, but his short films that he's doing right now um, are incredible. And all because he invested in himself, he, exactly. he had a vision and he produced these films mm-hmm. and it's crazy. Like it's as like an older, I'm not old, I'm 30, but seeing like a 26 year old doing these things, have the wisdom to make those choices and just like, yeah, have the balls and like the mm-hmm. vision to do it. It's incredible. And it's incredibly inspiring. And it makes you like kind of question yourself as like a filmmaker, but it's also very um, inspiring to see that. Absolutely. And just to see his success, he does not care about commercials as much Mm. um it's commercials are a way to make money and you can make very good commercials but Mm. i think the commercials he's getting now are a reflection of the films that he made in style Mm. and all that right like it's very difficult to go into a project and pitch an idea if you've never done it before exactly yeah of course so that's a scary thing yeah like imagine like i would love to make a super like emotional like heart tugging make the people cry commercial mm-hmm. i love those yeah i don't know why it's just my thing for sure um but i'm finding it hard to get those because i haven't done them yet okay well you've got some background in there don't you a some little bit work. i'm trying i'm like I'm, I'm in the process of writing a couple projects like short films you that start with your own story that's the thing the and transplant thing. yeah it's all kind of based around that mm-hmm. so um yeah, even my my production company is like, you should really just shoot a spec on like kidney disease. Exactly. And I agree with them. And so I'm kind of like trying to develop an idea. Take the work away from the sick kids, whoever has the sick kids commercials Mark right Zebert. now. Yeah? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's killing Those it. Those are heavy duty. They're very... The one right now in movie theaters, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Yeah, sick kids has a, a very strong campaign going mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> yeah, they're killing it. They're like known for that now. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Cool. Yeah, and it's good to see that. I, I like working for good causes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think that's kind of the avenue I'd like to go down. So, yeah, one day. Just and the emo- keep the, yeah, and the emotional thing is key for commercials. I find, like I my favorite commercials are the ones where like they almost make me cry by the end. Yeah. I'm always like, nice job, like yeah. that was great, and they're very second. memorable. Yeah, thirty seconds and it impacts you that much. That's what that is advertising, right? Exactly. It's it's a if you can have somebody watch your thing in thirty seconds, 
and it's moved on to the show or the, the next commercial and they're still like, hmm, I feel something. Yeah. When they see that success. product out in public, they're going to buy it. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. So, so I've done music videos, mm-hmm. a few. Uh, don't particularly love doing music videos mm-hmm. as like the director on them. I don't mind shooting them because I think it's fun. But um, mm-hmm. have budgets gotten any better? Um, well, for me, it's funny because people talk about how budgets have been slashed, budgets have been cut. And I hear it at the Prism Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, they go on stage and they're like, they kind of make jokes about how the budget's been slashed. For me, the budget... There's never been a budget. Okay. So it's only been up from here. Right, I'm okay. like, I've never had the luxury of like $100,000. Um, but basically, the budget does reflect where the artist is at in mm-hmm. their career. Um, and it's not, they're not, a, they're not any bet. I'm finding independent artists are willing to fork over two to $5,000 more often. Mm-hmm. Like I rarely get the artist now who come at me with like 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's learned their lesson. They've been shamed enough. Yep. And that's like, you need like a thousand bucks at least if you're going to make a music video. Mm-hmm. And that barely covers like day rates of anybody. Um, but right now, like my sweet spot's like 10 to 20 K. Yep. That's like the sweet spot. And compared to commercials, like that's ridiculous. And I can understand being a director, why that would just like not piss you off. It's just like, what do you do with 10 K? You can, 10 K can go away on food, but you can do a lot with that. Also, like I've done, I've done a few commercials that are, you know, not much higher than that. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so the budgets haven't improved, but I think what I've done always is like, they give me the amount and I just, I deliver on time and, and I don't ask for more and I kind of just play in my own sandbox. Mm -hmm. So it's gotten to the point where, I'm not like thinking how I'm going to make, I don't think how I'm going to make 10 K fit my idea. I make my idea fit 10 K. Right. So whatever they're going to give me, they're going to, they're going to get something amazing out of it. Mm -hmm. And then for me is I'm still, because I do corporate editing on the side, I'm still putting a lot of my, the budget back into it. I don't pay myself. Okay. So the joke is, is like you give Miguel like a, $8,000 $8,000 budget, he'll turn it into 16 K. Right, like my okay. friends are laughing about that. Like you'll double your money. And it's like, yeah, like <laughs> my own expense. I know, but it's all, it's been worth it so far. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to like go and like be someone's parent and say like, you should put your fee back into the video, mm-hmm. but the best way to increase quality without asking for more money or without asking for people's free time is, uh, is just to put your own money into it. Sure. Um, and that's one of my rules is like, Nobody works for free. Like I am on music videos, like we're making a commercial for the artist. Um, people call things like passion projects. I get that. And like, I'm not, I don't know if you've done that. I'm not trying to, I'm not sub posting or sub tweeting anybody right now, but like I, you shouldn't use the phrase passion project for something that's free. I think everything you should do is a passion project. That's the whole point. Yeah. I don't like the language. Um, but always put your money on the line. That's the best way to increase, um, things. And that's why like, yeah, when people complain about budgets, I get it. Um, but I'm I've always put my money into it. Mm-hmm. So like even if somebody came with me with a hundred thousand dollars, the first thing in my head is like, okay, how are we gonna maximize this hundred K? Yeah. I'm never thinking like, wow, I can pay myself ten K out of that or whatever. Yeah. You should uh if that does happen though, you should probably take some money out of it for of course. yourself. <laughs> Especially if it's USD. That's different. If it's yeah. USD, then hey, like we're all we're all 8K making money. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um in USD. I love it when the money's USD because mm-hmm. that's just fun for everybody. Um but um I'm I'm more like concerned about like let artists um, letting me like do my own thing and not making performance videos. That's where I'm at. Like yeah. the budgets, uh, like you can complain about them all day, but right now, like I'm all about the creative and I just, I don't want to make performance videos. I'd rather make a story video for 3K than a performance video for 10K. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. It's just 100%. You got to develop it that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. 
Um, well, that's good to hear that you, I mean, you're obviously keeping busy and that's, that's good. Um, but what I always found when I was doing music videos is it's one artist as like the director or the filmmaker working with another artist or another group of artists. Mm. Do you ever find there's ever headbutting? I personally always had like, like a few clashes with other artists just because you think it should go one way and not to discredit them because they're also artists. So you have to respect what they're saying and they have a vision for it too. But like, there also has to be a kind of, I think with music videos, you have to find like a middle ground and then just allow the director to take it from there. Exactly. Well, for me, um, it's definitely nuanced. It depends on the context. Okay. Um, if a label, if I have like a relationship with the label and they're like, here's this artist and they're difficult, like the, the artist is always right. I treat the artist like a diva, whether or not they're a diva right. on set. I treat them like they're God because it's like kind of manipulative in a way because I just want to give, I want them to give me what I've planned on paper. Sure. So if I go home at the end of the day with all the footage I have, I will bend over back. I'll do whatever you want. I'm, I'm like your slave to get what I want in the edit. It's a strategy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all about mani- manipulation. That's direct. But the way I've like built my, my reel and like all my work is I don't, like I have barely any commercial work um, as far as front facing and like lots of my work is very like experimental and um, I like use different formats and different cinematographers. I'm always trying to be creative and stuff. So um, like my tools kind of go beyond the knowledge of the artist or the label. So most of them understand that like, hey, we, we want you to do your thing. And that's that's what I expect when they approach me. I've had times, yes, where an artist comes to me and we're not on the same page. At the end of the day, I'm like, why did you come to me if you if you wanted to control me? I'm nobody's puppet. And I've had like a few times where I've had to like, go away from the project. But those kind of things, if you think um, there's going to be friction, it usually happens right in the beginning. Right. You can tell like when you're pitching your idea and you can tell in the, their tone, the artist's tone. But rarely do I have di- like diva situations, especially by the time we get on set. Um, and um, I think artists appreciate when like you're kind of laid back and in control. Mm-hmm. For example, I work with Tillian. He's in a band called Dance Gavin Dance. And they're a pretty popular band. And he's like, He's not famous, but he's getting famous. Sorry, Tillian. Um, but uh, he's not mainstream famous. But he's definitely like got fans and stuff. Mm. But he came on set with us, and it was just me and a cinematographer, and we treated him like any other guy. I treated him like he's any other person, just a friend. And I think like he appreciated that. And I think he it made him more comfortable that way. Yeah. Um, so I try and avoid working with divas. I know I might have to eventually. Sure. Um, but I don't think that's the best way to get a result. Like I'm in it for the result and like making something that's timeless at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want to come on board with me, like that's cool. Like we'll go our separate ways. It's all good. And what gives me comfort, like some opportunities come and go. Sometimes you don't click with people like in the end, as directors, we're going to change for the next 60 years. Like we're going to do all kinds of things. Who knows where we're going to be next year at this time. Exactly. But artists, particularly like musicians, arguably they're themselves forever. And that's my whole thing. I have told, like, I'm like, you can hate on me all you want. I'm a chameleon. And like, you're the artist, like, that's it forever. Like you're, um, like Neil Young is Neil Young for the rest of his life. Like yeah. that's it. One thing. And like, n- but we're always changing and learning. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, like I, I, I'm just been lucky that I haven't had too many crazy diva moments. Yeah. Um, I think by the time sure. that you're, you're dealing with like divas, I mean, it would be tough if you were dealing with a diva now that it's like, you know, at like a similar level if they're not like a huge band or something mm-hmm. like that it'd be tough being like dude like look where you're Smell at the kind of thing. yeah but like by the time you're dealing with divas you're also going to be like at, well not a diva but like at the same level so you'll kind of have like a mutual respect like i think a diva 
I'm not okay. This is a bad example. I don't know if uh, like a big artist. What, what would mm. be a big artist that you think would be a diva? Um, like Kanye. They just sure. know what they want, and like it's worked for them. And they don't want you to come. They don't want to add any ingredients that already wasn't there. Yeah, but like they're probably also not going to work with a director that they don't mm. mutually respect or know they can control otherwise. Too maybe that might be it. I'm just thinking like if I. Like if I was ever lucky enough to direct a big music video with like somebody that's um, acting like a diva, I would just hope that there's at least a little bit of mutual respect that they're mm-hmm. not a diva to the director. Maybe everybody else on set, yeah. but like there's a mutual kind of like, I'm not going to treat like a piece of shit because you're obviously an established director also and you know what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. So we're cool. and it's we're all in it for the same journey. Like, and I think as a director, you have to explain your vision in pre-production mm-hmm. and the destination, everybody is aware of the destination. Yeah. And like, and that should be in plain English. And it's your producer's job to make that across. It's the director's job. And everybody needs to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like when you're on the road and traveling and everyone thinks you're going to San Francisco and the artist is like, we're going to Vegas. You're like, no, we've been talking about San Francisco for months. Like yeah. we're going there. So I think like if you get to the set point and there's friction, like that, those were like festering. Those problems were already like under the surface nothing you can do about that yeah Yeah. exactly and it's probably about something completely Mm -hmm. you know void of what you're actually doing yeah i keep unlocking my computer because i think that i have notes to look at but i don't so no worries close that yeah we just talk um ask me something that you think i won't answer that like is like an area we shouldn't talk about okay because there's there's tons of uh taboo in filmmaking yeah and i've i've don't care about the taboo like the hierarchy thing you talked about for example I was on my friend's feature film and the hierarchy was there and it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, yo, like you have to treat this bird. Like the director doesn't talk to grips. The AD talks to grips. Okay. And I'm like, what is this game of telephone? And I understand when you're in a feature film, there's lots of moving pieces and like, that's how it works, etc. But everyone's got to be stoked at the end of the day. Everyone's got to be happy about what they're doing. And on my sets, no hierarchy. Every time I have someone new on set, I always tell them like, go out, you want to, you have a question for the DP, go bother him. Yeah. Like, go and bother him and ask him a question because that I want a good result. And I get the hierarchy helps on bigger operations mm-hmm. for sure. Like, but once you're like shooting and in the zone, everyone should be having a good time. That's the thing that I, it's weird because I think a lot of the producers I work with are surprised when I ask for certain text to be on the job Mm. uh because they're like why are you requesting like this grip why are you requesting like yeah this sound why do you care about which grip like it doesn't matter yeah because it's 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 important to me because i need to feel comfortable with everybody this may sound weird and i hope that like if there are people in there listening and being like oh we're not gonna hire this guy because he's obviously not confident no i'm very confident in directing Mm. I just like to have people on set that kind of understand my style because I have learned my style of directing is to be interactive with everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, for example, like the sound guy that I like, I know that like yeah. he's like stoked to be there. He's like, he understands my style of directing. He, if he has a question, he will ask me, we'll take it, we'll get it taken care of right mm-hmm. away. I like that. And, and, and yeah, like I, I, I don't necessarily like, I know there's a time and a place and it kind of depends on the project that you're working on for the for sure. hierarchy thing. But there was one thing where, uh, we had wrapped and I went up to the truck and started like slinging stands and cables into the back exactly. of the truck. And the gaffer was like, dude, what are you doing? And that's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, man, I'm just chilling out. Like, I'm happy to help. I want to go home. You want to go home. But like, I don't know. I just, 
The director should be the last guy to leave. Yeah, I believe he's in the that. host of the party. Yeah, you don't just leave before you cleaned up. Yeah, you gotta chill. I know that there's times where, like, if you're doing a feature, you have to go look at the dailies and stuff like that. Just because sure. you're leaving, your job is not over. But that's, that's different, though. If, yeah. Yeah. It, but if you have the, you know, hang out a bit and you know get to know your crew a little bit, it's it's important. They're working for you. Theoretically, you're hiring them, right? So you're the, you're their boss for that day. And you don't want a mutiny. No. And like, it's all good. Like it's the more you put into it, the more you're present, the better result. And like, they'll go and they'll go up to bat for you. Mm -hmm. If you go over, if you go over time or like you need another day or you need a favor, like that audio, you need something or that audio guy, you have like a question and you can just text him instead of like, how, who do I ask? I was never nice to that person. I don't have their number. I don't know any audio guys. Exactly. And that's a great way to look at it too. Cause I've been in scenarios where we have to go five, 10 minutes over, Mm -hmm. or we have to come back early from lunch. There's, there's, a couple people that I call every single time because the amount of times where I've been like, Hey, you guys cool to like come back 10 minutes early from lunch and Mm -hmm. get going. And they're like, Hey, if it gets us out of here early, let's do it. And they're super game to do that stuff. And that's the kind of people I like working with. It's, we're all just, I mean, there's certain rules now that you got to try to adhere to, Mm -hmm. um, just because whatever it may be. But, um, for the most part, like we've all gotten into the same position doing the same thing exactly, and are in it for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. It's just now it's more of a job. So I understand you can't step on certain toes, but um, yeah, there's, there's definitely enough people out there that are willing to put in the time and to do a good job. For sure. That's why I have, I don't know how you feel about unions. Um, I joke that we should start a freelance union where the fees <laughs> go to solicitation to get uh, things paid. That all it is is solicitors. We have like solicitors who like get your invoices paid. That's yeah. all your fees go. That's great. And that's actually a point I want to talk on because you've been, I've seen a few tweets that you've sent out and you're an advocate for, um, people owing money. Sure. sure. Uh, personally, I drives me nuts when I know the person that owes me money. You've got still some outstanding don't you? Of course I do. Yeah. Okay. And I'm dealing with currently. And I'm one of the rare ones. I don't, I don't, nobody owes me money right now, but yeah. like you, Kristoff, like I know a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that, like, that's the thing, like nothing drives me create more crazy than somebody that I know is sitting behind their office desk with a full-time job benefits. And they are like, they kind of don't have a sense of urgency to like pay the person that exactly. doesn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. And they don't, understand the severity of not paying Mm -hmm. somebody on time because yo you got rent to pay it's part of your plan like filmmakers we plan like we're scheduling our lives we schedule everything everything is all planned and and you know when that money's coming in you're counting on that money Mm -hmm. and you're already asking everybody else for favors for other shoot you can't i can't go to my mom for rent every month i cannot do it and like um people when they don't pay just it ripples across your whole life it does and then it just makes you resent the job and I get agencies have like their processes and stuff and, and the nice ones and the good ones, like they pay quick. It's possible. Like, that's the thing. It's possible to pay quick. They have it, the money. Yeah. It's all good. Like, and I hate it when you ask an agency like e-transfer me or wire me or whatever. And then they post a check. Mm-hmm. Like after you agreed, this is the way it would be. Yeah. Oh, it makes me want to go like, Hey, I'll, I'll mail you the DVD then with, with the video. Yeah. I'm not going to give you that up front. <laughs> the videotape. Yeah. Um, so something on, like on that topic that I've always kind of struggled with is, is I always feel like I feel bad asking for money for this job. I've never really treated this like a job. And sometimes I still can't believe Mm. that this is considered a job. Uh, There's that. And then I always feel bad sometimes following up with anybody, any client, because I'm like, oh man, if I like 
push the wrong buttons, they're never going to come exactly. back you again. Exactly. You never want, you never, I never want to cross the, anybody, right? Yeah. But it's tough because like in this year's, like this is the first year that I've actually felt confident being like, okay, if they haven't paid on time, then following up with them. And you don't have to be harsh Same. about it, but there are times, <clears throat> Vice, uh, that Ooh. I've actually had to uh, chase them down for months. They yeah. sent me, instead, and it's weird because they actually, instead of sending me the money that they owed me in overages, because I was like, you know what, Vice, I know how big you are. Mm-hmm. This is inexcusable how late you are. I sent them overages. And instead of, send, instead of paying me the overages, they actually sent me like a $50 gift certificate to LCBO. Whoa. So like that, like they openly admitted. In a di- was that, uh, did you bill them just for overages or like your fee plus overages? My fee plus overages. And did they send you your fee back? They sent me my fee. And a finally, gift card. And a gift card instead of the that's, overages, which was quite a bit less than the overages. And they did not respond to, like they were. Um, that's it, worse than not sending the money. That's like a power move. It was terrible. Yeah. Like I was like, I was being like, I'm coming to your office right now. Have the check ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, for example, my sister, she's just starting to work with agency and she's trying to follow up on overages. And it's, there's not like a rule book. They don't teach this part about how to like navigate the social aspect of asking because you don't want to burn the bridge. Of course not. But for, um, for example, like I'll, I'll talk about it, like Dynalone Records. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't even talk about this. It's bad because Seaway is on Dynalone, but but I've done like 15 music videos for Dynalone and I went and shot a live thing for them for like 300 bucks. I got like no, there was no production, no notice, no nothing. I just Mm -hmm. showed up. Nobody wanted to plug me into the board. No one cared about this video thing. I gave the footage after months went by, they weren't paying me. And then their Instagram account follows me, keeps interacting with me. And I DM down alone. I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? You guys owe me money and you're interacting with my account. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't know anything about this. They were starting to be very rude to me. Mm-hmm. They were like calling me out. I'm like, you guys, like, are you dense? I've been, I've done like 15 videos for Dine Alone. Mm-hmm. They owe me money right now. Um, but the project's not complete, mm. but basically I just demanded the money. And then at some point they're like, come drop off the hard drive uh, and we'll give you your money. And I show up at, I show up at alone and the person who's supposed to accept my hard drive they won't even see me face to face they send some secretary down to take the hard drive upstairs they come back with the check i'm like you like it's disgusting how yeah. how they won't face me face to face um they weren't like upfront about paying me and and basically it's like i've put in so much work creating this relationship with alone and they they won't they'll barely communicate with me now even though I'm still doing work for Seaway it just makes no sense to me. Do you know the person? Like, have you met that person personally? I, I think I met her. Yeah, I think I met them personally. Yeah, yeah and it's just it's just annoying to me. It's because it's like I don't schmooze, like I said, and I don't go to the ne- like dine alone has like a party. I don't go to it. I don't mm-hmm. do this. I don't do that. And that's what makes me feel like I'm like never in the in crowd. I feel like people don't like like dine alone doesn't like me because I don't go out and drink with them. Mm. I don't go out and do stuff with them. And it just annoys me because all I've done is work and all I've done is deliver. And then now speaking towards like how you feel this year, asking for money, uh, like asking for the money that is owed to you. Um, as a director, I've always, yeah, like questioned like, Oh, should I be paid for this? Or like, damn, this is the easiest job in the world. But now I'm realizing that if I'm pretty sure we've always delivered on time, Mm -hmm. you and I have that in common. And if you can deliver on time, if you can be like a nice guy and not cause problems, and if you have great ideas and you execute and you go above and beyond, that's what your value is. Yeah. Like directing on set. That's like one thing, but I think if you can create a production and like deliver like that has tons of value. So Mm -hmm. now when the label reaches out to me, I know my value because they know Miguel's going to deliver early on time quick. And like, that's my difference between everyone else. And that's how I feel good about demanding money. Mm-hmm. And then Dine Alone, at a certain point, 
Like you're gonna, you have to like stand up for yourself. Like, so basically I build up this repertoire with them doing like 15 videos. If they're not gonna respect me, then they're never gonna respect me. Yeah. So you have to just get your money and check out. Boom. Hmm. It's weird. Is it, do you think it's Dine Alone as a whole? Is there multiple people like that? Or is it just this one person that you had this interaction with? Um, it's not like, I don't think it's a problem at the agency. I just think like they over, they like put this on the back burner. It was just live footage. Mm -hmm. And like, they really kind of overextended. They were like, yeah, we need this footage. And then I went and shot it and they were like, eh, we don't really need it. So they don't want to pay for it. And if I was like a freelance videographer, okay, like he's not going to follow up with the money, but I'm a director Mm -hmm. and uh, I've worked with them many times on like lots of projects and I've always delivered Mm -hmm. and I've always been the nice guy. And and that got me nowhere. With yeah. them. It got me nowhere. It's interesting because I find a lot of these companies, the way they do it, they, like they, they do it to people that don't have, um, like when I still, like the, when it happens to me, it never happens when I work with my production company, mm-hmm. but it always happens when I do like just the freelance, like direct client type thing. Yeah. But the thing is like, it's, it's weird how they feel like they can do that to the little guys a little bit that don't have anybody in their corner but not the big companies because they know that like lawsuits, exactly. right? Like they have the money for that stuff. And I don't want to work with people like that. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, and that's why I'm willing to say dial alone because if dial alone wants to go, Hey, we're not going to work with Miguel anymore. From my perspective, they're like, we don't want to work with Miguel anymore because he got mad at us. We didn't pay him. Yeah. And then, um, when we paid him, we didn't give him the respect of seeing him face to face. Like, so it's like, why I'm never going to want to, I'm not like a puppet. I'm not. So it's easy to be tough on DMs, right? Yeah, exactly. And like I showed up in person and they weren't showing me any, any respect. And the whole thing is like, if you're not going to be cool, if, if it's not going to be like a great relationship, I don't want to work with you anyways. Like I said, I'm a chameleon. It's all good. Like you be you and I'll be me and I'm going to, I'm going to be still in the game. I'm never going to be out of the game because I know in my heart, I didn't do anything wrong. I know in my heart it's in the right place and I'm doing I'm doing this for the right reasons. And those people who are, it's all business and they're trying to like, you know, not pay you or do this or do that. I'm thinking about the project. I'm trying to deliver the project. The the money I get at the end, that's like a surprise. It's like, (laughs) oh, wow, like you have money. This is great. Um, But I've realized money can't buy happiness. Like, and it cannot. And I know that's like a funny phrase, but it's like, and when I have money in my bank account, I got nothing to do with it. I'm like, what am I doing? I got nothing. Got to spend nothing. it on a music video. I, exactly. That's that's what happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, I have nothing. It can't buy the it, happiness or or anything. And like, I think more people should talk about people who got burned, like how you mentioned Vice and I mentioned Dial Alone. And I think more people should talk about these things because the stigma around it benefits them. Yeah. It only benefit me being secretive about everybody who wronged me only benefits them. Mm-hmm. If people want to be mad at me for vo- voicing dirty laundry on a podcast, maybe they should get their priorities straight in yeah. the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and not, and not be such a piece of shit over 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's 300 bucks. It's like, right. It's, it's like, it's, it's tough. Cause it's like, there's been so many scenarios like that where it's like on my end, it's like, Oh, it's only 300 bucks. Like don't, don't burn a bridge or don't be, mm-hmm. you know, don't make a big deal out of it. But at the same time, it's 300 bucks to a massive company. Yeah, exactly. And, and the bridge goes like, both ways. Exactly. Too. And you can have an ego about that. Yeah. Remember. Oh yeah, for sure. It's all good. Like next time Don Alone comes along, Hey Miguel, we want you to do a music video. Yeah, sure. My rate's 10 grand 10, plus. Add another zero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For example, like right now uh, I'm trying to, I hope this doesn't come out in the next month. Maybe it will, but like I'm trying to, I'm doing a project. I'm traveling with Seaway and yep. they're going to get, they're going to give me, this is what it's like being a director. Okay. So, uh, you get 50% up front and yeah. then you get 50% up at the end. Okay. I've done like 15 music videos for Seaway. They're my best friends. Like 
there's no chance that I'm not going to deliver. If I don't deliver, I ruin my relationship with five people I've known since I was a kid. So you lose more than just money. It's amazing yeah. like what the risk is. Um, and I've never not delivered. And basically, like, like they're just dangling this 50% uh, on the back end. And I've gone to the people who I should go to, and I'm like, can I get that up front so I can spend it on the production? Not, I'm not paying myself. I want this money to put it into the production. Yeah. And there's no movement on that. I've, I asked a month ago for that money. I'm not, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, meanwhile, uh, another label, they'll, they'll pay me up front. Like Rise Records, they, they pay me up front because yeah. they know I'm going to deliver. And there is, an, I, I get, everything has context. I get like 50% up front, 50% back. But if you have a legacy director like me uh, mm-hmm. in this context with Seaway, You're I'm going to deliver. Dude. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> I just mean like, it's just like, I'm going to give you your product. So like, why are you dangling this 50%? Especially, mm-hmm. especially the whole like thing that hurts me about this is every Seaway video, I have gone above and beyond the budget. I've put so much money into it. I never, ever, ever pay myself. So the, I'm just getting dragged. I'm just getting dragged through the dirt. It's funny. It's almost like you have to, um, you, it, it's on you to cut it off somehow. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of did like they, we, thankfully they're only the Canadian rep of Seaway. I don't deal with them on opportunities or pitching uh-huh. and, um, yeah, like the, my tone, I had, I had the, I think the boss at, at the, at the label email me about this problem and I emailed them back and I told them like, I didn't appreciate, like basically the person on Instagram was like, we don't know who you are. We don't know who you are. And I'm like, you don't know who I, like I've tagged you guys for five, six years, like mm-hmm. millions of plays. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, it's just disrespectful. And he never replied. Mm. He never replied in the, and you know what? I'll call like, that's not good leadership. I'm sorry. If I, if I have a gripe on my sets, if somebody has a gripe, I'm going to reply. I'm going to get it settled. Mm-hmm. Like right now, um, I don't know if a video is going to, I don't know the release date of a certain video mm-hmm. and the client isn't being responsive. So I've got my producer calling them, making sure everything's okay. Like, is every, are you proud of the video? Is, are you happy with everything? Yeah. Did we do something? Yeah, Cause exactly. you got to address and that stuff. So I just, it's just very, it's not a nice way to run things. And, and, are there consequences for them? No, but in the and does it really make a difference in the grand scheme of things of the world? No, but um, I think it affects the product. Yeah. I always want to make something timeless and amazing, and um, these people just get in the way of that. It's uh, yeah, whether we like it or not, it's part of the business, I guess, right? But mm-hmm. like all that being said, with all of these things kind of like happening to you right now, it kind of seems like you have a, you've got a good head on your shoulders for like being able to like balance it and not really let it. Uh, jade you towards no the, no never gonna be jaded which is ever ever awesome ever. because I hate to see that I know it, it happens so much and I mean I've caught myself a few times saying things I'm kind of like you know what maybe I shouldn't be so negative because there's obviously more to this situation <laughs> than I know um, that's true yeah so it's it's I don't know it's tough because ever nobody likes getting screwed over nobody and and I like I just like glass don't like glass house stones like I never. I I conduct myself and my delivery and the post-production, everything in a way I want to be treated. So Mm -hmm. like, I don't break the rule. Not once. I, I shot a video on Friday, Saturday or locked today. Well, yesterday we were locked. Wow. And like it, that's just, that's what you get when you play nice and everything is fun. Um, and like, it's all possible for everything to go well. And my whole thing is like, it's easy to be nice. People say like, People be mean for so many different reasons, um, but it's easy to be nice. Like if you can't be nice and like you need to like chill or and like figure yourself out a little bit because mm-hmm. it's so easy to be a good person and a nice person. Like it's, it's no problem. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's, it's 
no guff. And I mean, when you, you talk about that on set and how you interact with people, mm-hmm. um, when you are chill with people, you treat them properly with respect, no matter who it is, what role they have, they're going to work hard for you. Yeah, they're going to go to bat 100%. Right. And you need that because, yep. you know, I'm sure the same thing in music videos is you have a time limit. Yeah. And for example, <laughs> like I want people to be proud of their work and I want them to be happy to be there. And like. I hire like an actress and if she doesn't post about the video once it comes out, I might not hire her again because if she wasn't proud about it, I want to, I want to hire someone who's proud and stoked as I am. Yeah. Um, and I've had like, yeah, bad situations where like they're only in it for the money. Like I've had people come up to me right at the end of the day, holding their hand out saying, pay me. Yeah. And it's all about the money. Like I'll never hire you again. I'll never recommend you again. Exactly. I want you to be stoked as I am. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to be here. It's all yeah. good. Like it's interesting. Cause, um, There's been a few people that I've talked with in the last couple of years and I get it. Like, especially where I am right now, like when I get a job, I'm happy because Mm -hmm. there's so few and far between right now bidding on a lot of things and it's just kind of part of the battle. I love it, but I hate it at the same time. It's just, it's difficult. Um, but there's been a few people that like mutual friends that are directors and they'll call me up like, Oh, I got a job. Yeah. Make an X amount on it. And it's kind of like, cool. That's good for you. What's the creative though? Wait, why did they, did someone, why are they calling you about that? Like, well, they're like, they're stoked about the job. Okay. And but what's your role in the production? Are they just bragging? Or are they just, well, no, I'm not involved in this. So exactly. it'd be like, they'd be a director and we're just like, we're kind of in the trenches, the same thing. Okay. It's, it's going through the same thing, right? Yeah. Like pitching on jobs, not getting jobs. We land a job, but like, and so it'd be like you, like if, for example, if you got a really big music video for an awesome band and we're talking right now and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm doing this music video for so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I would be much more intrigued in the, oh, what's the concept? What's exactly. the creative? Yeah. Then like, oh, cool. How much are you making? And yeah. there's been a few people that have been like, oh, I just got this really sick spot. I'm making X amount. And it's kind of like, cool. What's the idea though? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the idea. It's been like for me right now, like I fully understand there's a fiduciary responsibility to make an income. Sure. This is our jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a director, I am far more interested talk to the, I have a job coming up and talk to the producer. I was like, I wanted a good DP on it. So Mm -hmm. I was like, um, and the budget's tight. And I was like, man, take some money out of my rate and Mm -hmm. give it to the DP because I'd much rather have him on it. Exactly. Um, And where was I going with that? It's it's always about doing justice to the job and doing good creative and making it a success Mm -hmm. before it's always been like, oh man, I'm making X amount on this project. Yeah, and that's like a that's a bad road to go down because mm-hmm. once you start quantifying your success and your happiness by like how much you're getting on each project or how much the budget is like, you're never going to be happy because things are always in fluctuation. Yeah. And I think that, uh, well that, and I think that people kind of catch on to that mentality and realize that you're kind of not into it for doing for the right reasons. Yeah, and it's not sustainable. I mean, it's, it's, if you're hype and you're, you're killing it at a certain time and you're not focusing on the ideas like that's going to expire. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's why I've been trying to be sustainable. Cause it's all about the ideas with me. Mm-hmm. It's all about it. Like, um, I want bands reach out to me and it's all about me pitching just like you are. And mm-hmm. it's all about the idea. Um, the number is like completely secondary mm-hmm. unless it's like, yeah, a thousand bucks. Well, then it's difficult. that's hard. Yeah. Oof. It's very hard. I'd, I'd like a thousand bucks, but let me go do whatever I want and you have no say in it. It, well, that's, yeah, if a band came to me with that, I, I'd be like, 
yeah, I got nothing going on, but like you don't get a you say. You have no say. Cause yeah. like your say, that's not the best way to spend the money. I know how to spend a thousand bucks to make it look like 10 grand. Exactly. They have no idea. Exactly. Everybody's an executive producer. And it's often they come with like, they have a big elaborate idea, right? Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to a band and they had like all of these elaborate ideas, like driving shots and that, like car mounts and crap mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, okay, cool. So like before we booked the helicopters, how much money do you guys have? Yeah. And it was like $1,200. Yeah, you can't do a car mount. You can't get the insurance. Yeah, what am I going to do? <laughs> they were talking about driving down the DVP. I'm like, no. yeah, right, dude. <laughs> no, 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 that's not going to happen. And like, yeah, that's what's funny thing. Like I wrote cars earlier this year and it was hell. And like now the producer, whenever we get projects, I'm like, I'm not writing car into it. Don't worry. Yeah. Because cars are big expense. Mm-hmm. It's big. If you do, if you want to do it right, yeah. like insurance, mounting it, um, renting the vehicle, shooting on the vehicle. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It's a great production value, but like, yeah, already. oh, definitely like right there. It's a nightmare. I don't think I come up with a music video idea without a car anymore, just because like there, it, yeah, it adds course. so much production value, but like it never gets done. So I've learned that from director X, like, um, cars are unattainable. Yeah. So like most, like your audience, when they're, when you're fifth, like now as an adult, we're like, if I really want a car, I can go get a car. But when mm-hmm. you're 15, 16, people will watch music videos. Cars are like in your future. So yeah, if you can put it in a music video, it's always yeah. it always blows up. I will say this though, uh, though one of my um, one of the guys that I started that production company with, Cycle, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Wood, he's a DP. Yeah. Uh, he showed me a video. It was like a a dance slash music video for some guy that shot it in Hamilton, and they actually threw camera tricks and they just like bought like a junk car and hired a tow truck and like flipped it over nice. and so through camera tricks like literally like rotating the camera really quickly and quick cuts they made it look like a car accident unreal and then they were able to like flip it over and like break all the windows and shot out like that part of it to cool. make it believable and it was crazy he showed it to me and it was very very well done you nice. can fake it but that being said that's th- amazing there was also gas leaking everywhere and potential for did they do you know, it legit explosions. or they gorilla gorilla nice yeah. yeah so it's possible but like i wouldn't recommend it because she can blow up he's just saying that as a professional okay he, he's he'll do it he just doesn't recommend it publicly yeah exactly <laughs> gotta cover my ass <laughs> that's music videos man it's do it yeah exactly yeah. yeah jesse said this um dude no one of my favorite memories and i remember this often when i'm doing things that um i think are maybe a little bit sketchy like even on a commercial uh dan i had i had somebody um park their car near a curb in an open lane of traffic and another car behind it and had our camera guy like out so he was protected but like mm-hmm. we didn't have the permit to do that exactly and so my producers are yelling at me and all this stuff got the shot but one of my favorite things and this came to mind when I was doing that was when we were in Vancouver, you guys were flying the drone off of, um, what was the mountain? Um, the mount, oh, the mountain. Uh, we were, we, um, it's you can ski at it. What's it called? Cyprus. Uh, Cyprus. Yeah. yeah. We were up at Cyprus and some guy was like, I'm a pilot. Exactly. You're infringing on my rights. Yeah. And, you're, and then like, we were like, what do we do? And you said, filmmaking is all about taking risks. Yeah. Filmmaking is about breaking rules. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me ever since. And it's true. I mean, there's a time and place for everything. It depends what you're doing. But like, if you're not pushing the boundaries with what you're making, then you're probably half-assing it and you're not going to get the best results. And I do think like the, the line is drawn at safety. So mm-hmm. like if you're safe, if you're being safe, you can do pretty much that. Sure. I would say do whatever you want if you're safe. Like yeah. literally do whatever you want. And like the, every, the system sustain itself. I think people who are like permit gripers and like those things, like these like like systems are made like you need the permit off the permit office needs films 
um, to be sustainable and the films need the permit office. They like help each other. Mm -hmm. So like, I think it's important as a director and as like a person in the world to identify like what is like seriously like an issue and like what is actually just like, they want money. They want to make money. And it's like that in LA, everything costs money because all these things are in place to make money. Mm -hmm. It's all like a business. So like you have to consider like, is, is getting a permit for this about safety or is it about someone making money in a business thing? It's, if it's, if it's a business thing, I never get the permit. It's always just about safety. Mm -hmm. And I think you're just trying to minimize the risk of getting shut down or not. That's the whole thing about permits for me is like, if I have no risk of getting shut down, then I'm going to not get a permit. But if there's a risk, then always have a permit because you want to make your day. Yeah. Um, but permits are whatever, like honestly, whatever, like if you have legit enough stuff, no one's going to care, but Mm -hmm. it's about safety. That's different. If you need like a supervisor, like a a firefighter there, for example, like don't let anybody on fire without a permit. Yeah. Um, I do think like the systems are in place to like benefit themselves rather than to benefit the filmmakers. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Like, a lot of people just playing by the rules isn't always the way to do it. And that's filmmaking. Like that's just like how we get our end result. And that's how we like make it happen. You have to do like crazy things. Yeah. Um, and that's why people watch them because crazy things are happening on the screen. Yeah. If you're playing it safe, it's boring. Right. It's, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your, your primary thing has been music videos for mm-hmm. the last however long. Is that mm-hmm. your end goal or do you want to get more into the narrative thing or like, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? I definitely like want to do narratives. Um, and yeah, I think I have, I'm like a, I'm a, hmm, got a lot to say, but, um, basically as a filmmaker, I think it's about like wisdom. And I think like in your context, being a commercial director, like say you're selling a product, especially something about health related, you're speaking to people of all ages. Mm -hmm. So if you have like a teenager's mindset or perspective, like it's only going to relate to teenagers. So you need to like to fall on like the widest demo. And that takes a lot of like life experience and pure wisdom. Mm -hmm. You have to know, like, for example, like, I try, I, w- I don't want to make anything that like a biker off the street will watch and think it's corny. It right. needs to like hit the widest range. That's why like I'm staying away from narratives right now because I don't feel like I have that wisdom yet. I want to keep gaining that wisdom to get to the point where I can direct this stuff. Yep. Um, so right now I'm just doing music videos and just like going with the flow on these music videos and I'm just getting emails and like just doing what I can. I'm addicted to the pressure. Like I love the pressure when a label is like time constraints and this and that. I'm like, I'm addicted to the heat now. Yeah. Um, but my friend Jake, who's in a, a, that Netflix show coming out in February, I forget what it's called. It's called The Order, actually. Okay. Um, so he has a production company called Abrama Gold. Um, and like through his Netflix connections and through other connections, he's trying to just get more narrative projects going. So in like the long term, I definitely want to help him shepherd projects through as like an executive producer, Mm -hmm. post-production, marketing, things like that. And basically I want to like foster other directors, um, like say like LGBT directors related to LGBT stories, native directors for native stories, Mm -hmm. like really empower like new storytellers. And then when I have my own story, I'll just use the Abraham Gold route, hopefully. Sure. Um, but basically, like, I just want to keep creating. And I and I, luckily, I, I get to do that. And I know what I'm doing in the next two months, which is, like, very rare for me, especially at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think um, with filmmaking, it's a lot about wisdom. So it's, like, a balance of me. Like, yeah, I want to keep making music videos, but I also want to keep, like, learning about life, learning from other filmmakers like yourself and other people's experiences. Um, and I think, like, directors need to be, like, empathy machines, I guess. Like, we need, like, 
ultimate empathy. Like we need to be able to relate to like the lowest of the low to the highest of the lie. Of course. Like we have to, I have to like empathize with Trump, for example. Like, and I, I learn from him and I learn from everybody you shouldn't learn from because the older you can be as a director, the better. Like if, like you said, like you're talking about the 40 to 50 year olds, if mm-hmm. you can carry yourself with that much life experience without having to actually live it, then you've got it made. Well, that's why the majority of directors and even cinematographers and stuff like that in, you know, Hollywood on big successful Hollywood movies or even commercials, if you want to go there, uh, they, they're all old. They've Mm -hmm. got the life experience. Mm -hmm. They know, and you need that when you're working with actors, Mm -hmm. you need to know that, mm, that was good, but you know, maybe not believable like that. Exactly. The personality yeah. you're conveying right now isn't really fitting to the story because mm-hmm. I've seen somebody else do that. You, you just yeah. need something to relate to from your life. And it takes a long time to get there. For sure. And I keep saying this to people when I try to explain it to, you know, for example, my parents or like mm-hmm. what I do for a career or anytime I'm going through things. This, this has really kept me grounded this year. This, this fact and knowing that filmmaking is a long game oh yeah regard in, in so many ways mm-hmm. um whether it be just getting work or uh the things you've learned from it getting to be the best in your craft it's like anything but it's a long game and it takes patience and it takes hard work yeah and it's very like for me i was telling my friend luch um the other day like it's very competitive and and if you can treat it like you're playing like a sport and all the other people like you're you're uh, an athlete i'm an athlete we're both basketball players on opposite teams we're in the same league same Mm -hmm. community but it is it's competitive but there's like no winners or losers for example Mm -hmm. but if you can treat it competitively you'll be better off like just picture like when you wake up in the morning um when you're getting creative that's you in the gym and people go to the gym every single day so you need to be creative every single day Mm -hmm. and it's the long game yeah like play the long game and that's how I treat clients and that's how I hope to be treated because I'm in this for the long run like I'm not going to give like save them short of me dying like I don't want to give up on this path mm-hmm. and and that's the whole thing persistence is so beneficial mm-hmm. and as we talked about before um no, I don't I haven't changed at all from this year to last year yet this year has been like a banner year for me like it's been so much great products I mean great projects and, um, it, it's just persistence. Like yeah. I haven't, I've barely done any cold emailing. It's all just been like people reaching out this year and it's all because I'm staying in the game. Mm-hmm. The longer you can stay in it, the better you'll be like hundred percent. People drop off yeah. eventually because they get frustrated with the process of mm-hmm. having to, you know, battle it out every day. And then it's the saying, the cream always rises to the crop or which is, is very much the case, but also people that are patient and can afford to be patient. It's um, a lifestyle thing too. Yeah. For me, um, I've made lifestyle choices on purpose that like puts me at a very minimum spend level. Like right. I don't, like I've gotten to the point where like, I don't, I, I can admit it now. Like I don't like going out. I don't like going to bars. I don't like partying anymore. I just don't like it and I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't buy like, exp- I don't buy clothes. Yeah. I don't buy things. I don't buy anything really. And you're a minimalist, dude. Very minimalist. Exactly. Just <laughs> like you. And that means like, I can put, I can stretch the limit. I can go a month without any gigs. I can go, I can go a bit without this or that. Yeah. Um, and that's why I can stay in the game more. Filmmaking people 
are kind of obsessed with like identifying as a filmmaker rather than being a filmmaker. Yeah. So they want to go to the things, they want to go to the shows and the seminars and do all this and do all that, but that all costs money and mm -hmm. then you have to make that money back. But if you can just be a filmmaker for real, like you can stay in the game forever. Mm -hmm. I find that mostly when people have problems and people complain about where they're at, it's all because their lifestyle doesn't fit their income. That's the bottom line. Like I know people who hate their jobs and the reason why they're in it is because they need to sustain their lifestyle. If they go out for dinner every night, they, they're not going to give that up. There's no way. Mm -hmm. um, but that's why you have to start like early at like keeping your costs low mm -hmm. because you can't be like this flashy guy. You can't um, until, until it just happens. Like you just find yourself there. Like, and that's what's so yeah. tough about um, social media mm -hmm. is it's very easy to get lost in like, oh man, this guy is like Kill putting it. out the best work. He lives the best life, yeah. which often is not necessarily true, but um, yeah, it can get you in a bit of a weird mindset. So that's, that's, a, that's encouraging for me to hear actually from you because it's something that I'm trying to. The minimalist thing is huge. I'm trying to apply that not yeah. from, for those reasons also, but for mentally, because I've realized that like my mental health in a way is mm -hmm. very like it before when my place was very cluttered, I had tons of gear. I had just stuff everywhere. I was not happy and I don't, I mm. couldn't figure out why. And then all of a sudden I saw this documentary, Minimalism on Netflix, very inspiring stuff, started getting rid of stuff. I immediately felt like my, my workspace and like it looks kind of messy right now because I have all this stuff. But like when I have it cleaned, I can sit here with a cup of coffee and like I can be very productive mm. and nothing is distracting me. Yeah, because you you're not, you don't own, they're not pets lying around. You're not, oh, it's not ownership. You don't yeah. own all these things. All you own is like yourself and all your ideas the and stuff that's that, our value. Exactly. Without the ideas, you're nothing. And, and yeah, like it's all lifestyle and it is a cinematographer's game as well. The Instagram thing, you have to like be very objective about it. The people who are killing it are the cinematographers and like the ACs because they're like getting hired like crazy. It's yeah. hard to be a director on Instagram because like. We don't look cool at our job because we're not holding anything cool. Yeah. And, um, and like the work isn't necessarily like very frequent as a director. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, you have to like realize like why, yeah, like I'm seeing all these guys working like crazy, just consider their job too, right? Like sure. Cinematographers, of course they're working. Like Always that. busy. Yeah. But yeah. directing is, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And, um, for example, I note that like, it's, you can't tell anybody you're an artist. You can't be like, you can't show up and be like, I'm a director. You have to like be a director. Mm -hmm. So cinematographers, they can like hold the camera on, on, in a photo and be like, I'm a cinematographer, I'm a cinematographer. But there's no way to be a director visually without mm -hmm. actually just executing and delivering. I'll challenge you on that. Yeah, you just get like a well, and you get your headphones and you have and the them around your neck and the yeah. hat. Yeah, yeah. Well, the hat's because I have no hair. <laughs> Jesse has all the hair. It's crazy. It's the flow. And, and he looks like Darren Aronofsky. I'll I'll always say that. It's sick. It's it's a great thing. Trust me. It's okay. unreal. He's an amazing director. Oh man. And he has the same mindset as us. He has a very similar. He does his things his way. And yeah. there's a lot written about that about like Noah that movie on how he butted with the studios because he was doing things his way. I remember that. Yeah. So, yes. So that goes back to like, you know, just owning like who you are, like what you're doing and standing up for yourself. Cause in the long game, if you're a puppet, like you're going to get pushed aside. You're not a director then. Yeah. They, people are bringing you on to have a vision and to execute mm -hmm. said vision. There's going to be head butting, but you have to stand strong. Exactly. And the, the, um, 
the Star Wars guys, Phil Lord, Philip Miller and Lord or whatever, they got fired. Like they're on to the next thing already. Yeah. Like, so if somebody disagrees with you, even on a scale of $200 million, you can get fired and you're going to just going to get hired. And James Gunn fired from Guardians. He's writing the next Suicide Squad. Exactly. So, like stand up for yourself. Otherwise, you're what just are a puppet. You, you yeah. bring no value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No value. It's amazing. Well, Miguel, thank you so much for being here. This has been an amazing, amazingly insightful conversation. Mm. Uh, I think there's going to be lots of uh, young filmmakers and, you know, experienced filmmakers alike that, you know, the mil- millions of listeners that I have will be really tapping into this. So it's, it's awesome. Stoked. Um, where can people go check out some of your work? Um, yeahfilms.tv. That's Y-E-A-H. Or you can just Google Yeah Films. That's yeah. my Wi-Fi, uh, like, name, okay. for example. <laughs> um uh, yeah, the, my work is on there, and uh, if you like pop punk, you're going to love it. But in the end, like to all the young filmmakers out there, like just keep working and literally don't listen to anybody, especially us. Yeah, How exactly. That? Like just don't listen to anybody. Do what you want. Be a maverick. Yeah. I don't know if <laughs> Logan Paul. Be exactly. A be a maverick. <laughs> but I just mean like just go out there and kill it. Like it's all the system benefits itself. All these checkpoints, all these hierarchy stuff that is all to only benefit itself and not the product. Mm -hmm. When you separate those things, it's like the Steve Jobs thing, how he says like, when you realize life's like a game and like you can just control like your future, it's the same thing with filmmaking. Sure. Just realize like what is benefiting people who need to keep their business alive and what benefits the project. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest advice I can give for sure. Yeah, and patience. Absolutely, patience is key and I have none and it's hard. Yeah. But I'm doing what, I'm doing my best. Awesome. All right. Well, thank great you. Great talking with you, Jesse. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for checking out the Road Travel Podcast. I hope that you enjoy the show. For more episodes, you can visit jessedhunt.com/podcast, or you can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Now get out there and be a maverick. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.